What's up, guys, and welcome back to this episode of the Road to Redemption podcast. Cam here. Hey. Um, yeah, it's, uh, again, I'm kind of late. I was supposed to get this up Sunday night. So what I decided now that I'm actually supposed to be working full time um, throughout the week, I'll be working a full 40 hours just like all the great people of America. Oh, oh, somebody's ringing my doorbell. Hold on. Let's see what kind of what kind of treats your boy got. Oh, USPS leaving me some love. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working 40 hours a week, five days a week. So what I decided to keep the quality up and to keep everything going as best as possible, what I w- really wanted to do one day a week. If I can get a second one in there on Thursday, I will, but... I would literally have to record two episodes, like one on Saturday and one on Sunday, to do that. And then I could time it to really... I figure for right now, once a week, that'd be good. That You guys don't need any <laughs> any more of my bullshit than, than you're already getting. All right, let's jump right into it. I'm excited about this one. Guys, the Kavanaugh thing is over. He got confirmed. Whatever, feel about that the way you do. He got confirmed. The thing I'm most excited, Zevia Crack. Haven't had one of those in a while. Um, the thing I'm most excited about is just that it's over. And uh, and now we can go back. Yeah, these people, whoever, these protesters are probably still going to sit out there and and find a reason to be mad. But they'll fall into the background just like everything else does. And I'm not, not super concerned with it. Um, Notre Dame, absolute, absolute turnout. Um, who the heck did we have this weekend? It was Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. The boys look good. Boys look good. Uh, Virginia Tech was not supposed to be a joke team. Rolled right through them. I, I don't think we really had a hiccup there too much. It was it was good. Main topic, UFC 229, Conor McGregor versus Khabib, Habib Navakamedov, I think is how you say it. Khabib, the eagle, Navakamedov. Didn't go well. My boy lost. Connor got that. Uh, got the tap out. Not good. Uh, you never want to see that, especially from a guy like Connor. You know, when he talks that much shit, you really don't want to see him eat his own words. And he did, unfortunately. And then there was a massive brawl after the after the fight was over. Connor tapped. Uh, Habib got up, talking shit to Connor. Somebody said something um dylan danis which is a ufc fighter and conor mcgregor's training partner um when when habib was saying shit to conor i guess dylan danis was off outside the octagon and he was talking shit saying something habib jumps the gate attacks dylan danis with which now is going to go down as one of the most iconic pictures in the ufc because habib jumped with just both of his feet he literally looked like an eagle landing and i mean his nickname is the eagle but yeah he just tried to kick dylan danis with both of his feet it was pretty fucking crazy um everyone thought that there was going to be this big commotion over it the fight was on saturday night i'd say by monday when any move would have been made, uh, I think people were kind of over it. You were like, okay, yeah, that wasn't great. Habib really fucked up. Um, the governor of Nevada was there, and it's ultimately going to be the um, commission of athletics in Nevada that decides what happens to Habib. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. But some people don't like that. There's a lot of folks in the UFC that are saying, hey, I, I don't think it was a big deal. I think, you know, definitely Connor kind of had that 
coming with throwing the dolly through the bus and all that, but I don't think it was as big of a deal as people wanted it to be. But UFC fighters, people in the industry are saying, even though we don't think it's as big of a deal as it's being made, you have to set an example out of Habib for this. You cannot have these guys coming out of the octagon attacking pedestrians. If that's a theme that starts... I mean, even the WWE doesn't do that shit. So the UFC cannot have that. Because if somebody was to who have gotten hurt in that, I mean, especially somebody that... If you're that attainable right outside the octagon, you probably paid ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for those seats. And then if your old lady catches a fucking toe in the eye from Habib... That's not going to be good. You know, that's people with some power, and yeah, you, you don't want to. It's not a game you want to play at all. So, Connor lost. I was very upset about that. I had Connor by TKO in the third. Didn't happen. He said he's going to be back. Uh, the whole card was good, though. Honestly, the, the undercard, uh, the, the pre main event or the sub main event was Anthony Showtime Pettis, and then you had uh, Tony Ferguson. That was a bloodbath. I think in the third round, second or third round, with a couple, maybe like two minutes left, uh, they were both just covered in each other's blood. Into the fourth, I think, going in, or into the second, going into the third, Anthony Pettis's coach noticed that he was staying away from his right hand. He said, did you break your hand? And Anthony Pettis didn't say anything. He goes, I cannot let you fight if you broke your hand. Did you break your hand? And he he didn't really say anything. He's like, hey, I, I, I'll keep fighting. You you do what you got to do, but I'll keep fighting. He never confirmed that he broke the hand. He just kept saying, hey, I'm, I'm just going to keep fighting. You do what you feel like you got to do. And he said, Anthony, you got to tell me, dude. I cannot let you go back out there with no with without your right hand. He's like, hey, man, you do what you got to do. And... So they called the fight. Uh, his corner took care of him and called the fight, and which is definitely the right call. That you don't see corners calling fights as much as probably they should, but in that case, they did. Uh, the heavyweights had a hell of a bout. Chris Lewis versus I forget, Clo- is it Vlokov? Vlokov's um, name. I, I don't remember how to say it. Kirko Klovak or something like that. Uh, Klovak, or Vlokov, that's his name, Vlokov, was kicking Lewis's ass. I mean, he was messing him up, and you could tell Lewis was gassed. And at the very final second, Chris Lewis comes back with some monsters, just monster shots, and knots Vlokov on his ass to end it. And then he had one of the best post, um post-UFC fight interviews I've ever seen. Let's see if I can pull it up. Let's see. Chris Lewis post-fight. It's got to be on here because it's funny. All right, here it is. Derek Lewis. Might help if I knew his fucking name, huh? That's what you get for being uneducated like myself. Uh, Derek Lewis post-fight interview. There it is. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, referee Herb Dean has called a stop to this contest at four minutes, 49 seconds of the third round. Declaring the winner by knockout, Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Gotta love Bruce Buffer. 
the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. My balls was hot. I understand. <laughs> this man, what you just did was absolutely phenomenal. That was an incredible comeback victory, and it shows one of the reasons why people love to watch you fight, that you can put it all to bed with one shot. I told the boys I got no more heart. You know, keep underestimating me. I ain't all that technical and all that, but I'm getting there. No one will question your heart, sir, after this. This is a come-from-behind knockout, the likes that we haven't seen in a long time. And you were looking for that big haymaker all night. You found it in the last minute of the fight. I forgot a few hours before the fight, Donald Trump called me and told me I got knocked this Russian out because they're making him look bad on the news. You know, him and Putin. They're talking about USA and his whole. Listen, Derek, you came into this fight, the number two contender with that knockout. You're absolutely one of the top guys in line for a shot at the title next. So tell us what you think about that. I need to sit my black ass down and do some more cardio. Sit my black about? ass down and do some more cardio. <laughs> So, yeah, he said, oh, I forgot Donald Trump called me before the fight, said I had to knock this Russian motherfucker out because they're making me look bad on the news. I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty funny. For sure. Um, okay. I think let's start a little bit lighter and we'll end on heavy, I guess. Uh, paying for authenticity in world betterment, not clicks. I think I figured out the problem. Social media fucking sucks anymore and i've been saying it forever social media sucks but i think i figured out what the problem is these companies and these big pages are being paid by clicks being paid by visit site visits they're being paid by you know whatever likes and followers can't really be a gauge anymore because everyone knows now you can buy that so these companies uh really big ones are being bought by the amount of traffic that they're getting on their site so if companies stopped paying for ad space on sites just for click value the internet would be better if you paid based off authenticity if you paid um off of okay we we acknowledged a problem and then we posted a solve or at least a theory for the solve instead of just going oh my god this shit is horrible and then there's no you're not doing anything about it you're just saying oh this sucks and that sucks and it's very negative i think publishers and websites should be benefited from by advertisers for authenticity for telling the whole story and i just saw a thing today the washington post came out there's actually going to be some sort of doctrine and i'm gonna try to look it up um where it's i think it's called like the fair um fair press deal or something like that essentially what it is is if you post a video or if you post a blog stating a republican's point of view you're going to have to have a democrat there to be able to go hey wait here's my side too um i think that's super fucking smart i think that's super smart that they should do that i think you should not be able to get on something just start going and spewing hate because there's nobody in the general vicinity that would be allowed to defend themselves or able to defend themselves or defend their side i think 
open lines of communication is going to force people to talk and realize we're not that different. We all have the same goals. We just want to be taken care of. And we also don't want to be fucking lied to. So if you create that, that's big. That's big for us. Um, That's really, really could potentially fix the problem that we're facing. Remember, everyone, before we all burn the ships and jump in the water, let's remember the internet was not around 15 years ago. It was not around 15 years ago. And now it's everywhere. It's on our TVs. It's on our phones. It's in our watches. It's everywhere that we are. The internet is there. I, I use my phone in the restroom as much as I use it on the couch, as much as I use it at the dinner table, as much as I use it at work. I have it everywhere. And 15 years ago, it didn't fucking exist. So let's not burn everything yet. Let's wait. I think we're going to f- see and by these major issues. So, right, um, this comes after the Kavanaugh thing happened. What if... That case, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he's innocent, I don't know if she lied, I don't really care. What if that incident alone brought upon this, where it goes, hey, you can't just say things about her, and you can't just say things about him without having someone there to be able to defend them, or for them to defend them. You can't do that. That's not fair, because... One, you're just talking out of your ass, you're inciting outrage for no reason, and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You can't do that. And it looks like they're trying to make that happen, so whoever came up with that, whoever's sponsoring that bill, hey, kudos to you, man, because you're really out there. You're really out there for America, and that's the kind of shit we should be working for. That right there, that's a change that's going to do something. Not getting on Twitter talking about what a piece of shit the other side is, y'all. It's so crazy. And what kills me is, if you saw a petition on Facebook to make this thing happen, you would probably scroll right by and find the new hot button topic that everyone's talking about. We all would. I'm glad that I didn't read that and see that they were trying to, you know, anything, hey, sign my petition, that I skipped right by it. And I don't pay any attention to what it is. I don't do GoFundMes, none of that shit. Nothing. Because I, I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody on social media anymore. I get it. I have these shirts for sale for Road to Redemption. Nobody calls, nobody hits it up. I get it. I know why. They're tired of being sold shit on social media. They don't want to hear it anymore. They don't give a fuck about my shirt or your workout program or you know, their, your Herbalife. They don't care. People don't care. They care about what they care about until they don't. People loved Gymshark six months ago. They care about it for as long as they care about it, and it can benefit them. Once they realize that putting on a pair of Gymshark leggings isn't going to make them Heidi Summers, they're not going to care for that long. They're not going to keep shelling out this high dollar for these leggings when they can buy the same shit at Walmart and Target for half the price. It's convenient until it's not. It's great until it's not. I'm a perfect living example of that. I was all about Betancourt Nutrition and all this. I had a core kind of group. I think bodybuilding supplements were kind of, eh, they were all right. They were good. Um, I I wanted to work with bodybuilding, and I decided to team up with them because I like the fact that 
it was a ton of products. Everybody could kind of have their own thing. I wasn't, I understood going in that they were going to send like promotional things each month that we were supposed to highlight. Like those, when I had those C4 on the goes and stuff, that was really cool. But I didn't sign on to be a bodybuilding.com signature series brand ambassador. I signed on to be a bodybuilding.com ambassador. And, uh, and you know, for me, that's why, because I want you to be able to come and support me if you choose to, but get the shit you want. I don't want to have to try to peddle you that because one, it's not my job. That company should have their own marketing department, should have their own advertising. If you want me to do that, okay, we can have that conversation. I do that, but you have to do more than send me a box with a few of your little demo um, BCAAs that you give out for free at all your expos. See what I'm saying? Like, that's what happened to the brand ambassador industry. You see, it's almost gone now because people, one, they know it's bullshit, and two, now these companies don't want to pay ambassadors anything. This girl who's been vlogging for a week has 867,000 subscribers and gets almost half of that in views. Each time she posts a video and then you want her to hold your product up for a couple free t-shirts and one thing a month come on come on you got to do it right you got to do right by these people that's why besides guyeki which all they do is they send me free yerba mates which i would have bought anyway so it just gives me a little bit of a break uh last time they sent me three cases i cleared that out in about four days yeah, they told me to stop doing that. Um, you're not supposed to drink more than two of them a day. I usually drink somewhere between six. Um, when I cleared those three out, I was drinking like eight. It's a lot of caffeine. Uh, don't recommend that. But I work, I, and I don't even really work with them. They just shot me some, shot me some yerba mates for always shouting them out in zigzag world. We don't have any kind of official relationship. Uh, I just, I use the wraps when I roll CBD blunts. So I reached out to them and they were like, oh yeah, man, thanks for all the love. And they posted me up on their page and they sent me uh, a couple of free things. And hey, cool. I'm happy with that. And again, but then I turn around and I go buy those wraps and I buy my Yerba Mates. I don't hit them up and go, oh, hey man, I've been a long time supporter of your company and you sent me one. You sent me three cases last month, so I wanted to see if maybe you would... No, dude. No. It's not what this is. It's not what this is. I just think people... We need to start being real. We need to start being genuine on both sides of the ball when it comes to social media, marketing, just how we are as people. We need to find what we're good at and excel in that area and not not try to just run with the crowd i for so long uh i vividly remember going why do i go to bed every night and hate myself like why why i have a good job i have this i have that why do i go to sleep every night hating my fucking life and then i realized it's because i'm doing a bunch of shit that i thought was cool in somebody else but it's not me I I woke up one day and go, it's because I'm not being myself. I have to be my fucking self. And who I am is concerning to me. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I'm very emotional and I have anxiety and I I'm selfish a lot of the time and I 
I probably care way too much about what people think about me while at the same time not giving a flying fuck what people think about me. So I say and I do what I want. What I want. I care and I would love it if everyone liked me. But at the same time, I don't hold back anything that I say and or think, which is definitely a downfall. Um, and I, I just think that that's really when my life started taking off. That's when and that's why I ride that. When I care about something, I dive all in into that thing until I know everything about it. And then I care until I don't. And I'm that way with people. Uh, that's always been a bad thing with me is I'm cool with you, right? Until you give me a reason not to be cool with you, I will be loyal. I will break my fucking back for you and I'll give you the shirt off my back. But I'm not, you know, once I see... A character flaw, I'm, I'm cool with you until I'm not. When I'm not, it's not even that I have bad blood against you. I'm just done. Done. You don't even exist anymore to me. And that's not right. Um, I've been given multiple second chances in my life. And if people ever approach me who, to me, you know, I cared about you until I didn't. If they text me or something, I don't just ghost them. I'll answer their question. And then if they say, hey, man, what's up with this? I'll go, well, actually, it's because of that. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's whatever. Oh, man, you know, you're being sensitive, dog. Okay, cool. Respect. I probably am. See ya. We, we feed on this idea that everyone has to like you and you have to, you have to live out this thing and these ideas that we have that we're going to grow up and be best friends with people forever and our kids are going to grow up together most of the time that ain't happening people get married they move they grow apart you know tons of shit happens you have to be willing to plan for things but also to be very flexible going into your future. That's how, one, you release anxiety when you stop worrying about the future. You can plan, but don't worry about it. And you have to be willing to be flexible. Be ready to drop people off and pick them up and buy houses and sell cars and have kids and, you know, whatever. You got to be ready for all that. Whatever you think you want today, be ready to forget all of it tomorrow or be ready is if you care about it, put your head down and give it a hundred percent. But if you walk into anything, 60, 50 percent, you need to consider: is this what you actually want to be doing in your life? Okay, I'm done preaching at you. On that one. On that one. Um, the last thing I really wanted to talk about. And this thing's 22 minutes, so I hope that um, I hope I at least get to 45. I would hate to have anything less than a 40 minute podcast, but. I wanted to talk about, I can only speak about military men, because I am one, and that that's all I know. I don't want to speak for a military woman. I could have my wife come in, but she'll be more valuable in this conversation six to eight months, uh, when Olivia's born and she's got some, got some time under her belt and has to go back and do stuff for the military. I want to address the fact that military men have a real problem being fathers. Now, I'm not saying that there's not good military men who are good fathers. I'm not saying that. There are. 
There absolutely are. I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and and I was looking at a family who I watch quite often on social media. I think they're adorable, and um, you know the relationship between the mom and the son is great. It's just a very cool family dynamic. Dad's in the army. Dad's always gone. Always gone. The the mom and the kid are home by themselves most of the time. And I thought, you know, I wonder what kind of relationship they have. The dad and the, and the kid. Um, and then I thought about myself. And the military, you know, I my daughter was born December 14th of 2016. Um, and I was deployed during that time. I was almost, I was about six months away from coming home. She was born. I stayed there for, I think, two weeks. And I had to go back. I had to go back to Cuba for six months. So the first six months of my daughter's life, I wasn't anywhere around. I wasn't in the picture, nothing. I was, I was deployed. Um, at that time, too, I think I was going to night shift, so I didn't even have really talks with any of them. I didn't get to, you know, and my daughter was only like two months old. It's not like I could FaceTime her. And then I look, and it's difficult as a man anyway when your spouse is pregnant to sometimes to feel that connection with the baby you're gonna see that most of the time your wife is gonna really enjoy the the baby moving in the belly and and feeling all the things and obviously yeah some of it hurts like when they get kicked in the ribs but for guys as much as we can appreciate okay that's my kid in there you're not feeling those movements and you're not physically bonding with that child you're not feeding them and they're working off of you and you don't have that connection so you see something absolutely beautiful growing and being the relationship between like my wife and my uh, my daughter olivia who's going to be born any day now and you're like wow that's beautiful and especially for me i hope that i get that i hope that olivia and i have that because taya and i don't yet really kind of it's building every time I go see her but it's like I don't want to have another relationship like I do with Taya where I have to convince her every time that I'm her dad and that she that I love her and that she loves me and I don't want to do that I want to really connect with my daughter and then I looked again and I was like well a good father would have a really hard time driving away from his daughter and being gone for a month. I see my daughter once a month. And I was like, am I a piece of shit? Because right now I feel like a piece of shit. Because I never leave Indiana with a dry eye. I'm always bawling when I leave. Because I just don't want to leave my daughter. But my something in my head switch and go, I have a life. I have a wife and I have a daughter on the way and I have a job. I have shit I've got to do to provide for my family. Okay, time to get back to work. Make the four and a half hour drive and I go back to work. I don't sit around and sulk about what could be or what should be. I can't. Because if I do that, I'm going to go down a very dark hole. Now, people will say, my daughter's mom included, that I'm a piece of shit. Oh, you could just turn off how much you care about her? You don't ever turn off how much you care about those people. You turn off, you're, you're allowing it to control you. 
I can't walk around emotionally wrecked all the time because of something I can't change or I can't control right now. I love my daughter. I want to see her all the time. It's not an option right now. So with that being said, I was like, well, why am I like that when some other guys aren't? You know, the people that get to see their daughters every day or their kids, they would be there's some some parents can't even drop their kids off to a babysitter and go out and enjoy a dinner let alone drive four and a half hours away. And I remembered then, the last eight years of my life, I, it multiple times, whether it's just for drill or going to an AT or going on the deployment or whatever, the military would ask me at the most random times through eight years and go, hey, we need to rip you away for even two days, yeah, 10 days if you're going to the range. Three weeks, a month, if you're going out to AT. Nine months, if you're going on a deployment. You get used to being able to go, okay, not like, not that I don't care, but okay, I'll go. And I'll have, you know, a big problem in military families is people expect that because it's not ideal, you're, su- you're both supposed to be sucking and hating it every second of all the time. You can miss somebody very much, but you can also enjoy your life while they're not there because they can't be, right? In the most unhealthiest of relationships, I always see it where even in the military, you know, the guy can't even go to the PX and grab lunch because that would be that he's having fun. And you, why would you be getting to have fun while I'm back here taking care of the kids and paying the bills and this and that and switched, You know, the soldier thinks because he's deployed and, you know, he's got to be away from home that she can't drop the kids off to her mom and go shopping and, you know, have a nice day for herself, which she 100% enjoys. When you start wishing the other person to suffer, you're in deep shit, right? So as a military person, as a veteran, I'm able to walk away from any situation, as long as it's temporary, and go okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can game face it and be good. I may cry a few nights, you know, quietly in my bunk, but I'm going to be all right. I'll be okay. And I think that's where military guys have a really rough time. I think when you condition someone to be ready to pick up their bags and leave at any time, leaving or having time alone or not being able to spend the ideal amount of time with their families is not their fault. You've conditioned them for that. They've they've been born and bred now, reborn and grown to believe that you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to leave everything behind and focus on what you're doing. Sometimes it may not be right. You know, sometimes it sucks and sometimes you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. But that's kind of what you sign up for when you sign up in the military. But at the same time, on the the flip side of all of this, I, I see it as a positive for veterans. Now, this is veterans. It's not just dads. I I guess I should have just said vets. But um, the good side is for vets that realize the biggest issue in the veteran community is when when vets get out 
and they don't find anything else to do. They don't find a new mission to achieve, a new objective to overcome. When you don't give them something to do, usually they turn to drinking, jobs they hate, relationships that aren't healthy. They, they're going to attach themselves to something. For the people that get out, you know, have a job lined up, have a steady relationship, start having kids, that becomes their objective. Now they've eased back into it. Now they have an identity again, and now they have a purpose in life. So now they're connecting with their families. And they're, they're ready still to go off to work and work their asses off every single day, but their objective is to grow their life for their family. That's respectful. That's what a person should do. You know, we don't do it great. Again, you cannot condition someone for years to be able to turn off an emotional switch and do what you got to do. Now, again, I've never gone to Iraq or Afghanistan, but you don't have to. I don't think for this to apply. And you don't even have to be a, a veteran. It, you could be a volunteer firefighter. Those guys spend all the time away from their families. They can that radio can go off and they can disappear for, you know, 2 days if a search breaks out or something. Like there are just people in situations that are set up to where you have to me- mentally be able to flip that switch. And it's really just making once you have a family, your family needs to be your new objective and your new priority. So I thought I would just share that. Uh, those are some thoughts I had on on kind of that. Any day now, again, Nicole could be having this baby, and I'm super excited. I can't wait. <sighs> Excuse me, yawning. Uh, can't wait. I can't wait to have a, a child that I get to make my objective. And, I mean, my daughter always is, but, again, I can't be there all the time. So I'm actually, it's about time that... Um, I call her. It's FaceTime. We, we FaceTime each other a couple times a week. Like I said, guys, this is going to be a once a week podcast. I'm going to have it uploaded on Monday morning. If I somehow, for whatever reason, can get one up on Thursday too, I will. But uh, I'm, I'm going to guarantee when you guys are heading off to work on Monday morning, you should have a podcast from me. If you guys want to send any feedback, if you want to send your thoughts on anything I, I sent... Uh, send those to road the number two redemption podcast at gmail.com again that's road r-o-a-d the number two redemption podcast at gmail.com guys i hope you enjoyed this episode it was a little little less structured a little a little more free and just kind of talking about whatever a little uh you know there's no music to this one just kind of getting everything settled getting some some feng shui put into all this craziness that has been my life for the past couple weeks so i hope you guys know how much i love you i hope you guys love the podcast still if you do want to grab one of those shirts dm me at cam williamson official or go back listen to that email and shoot uh your address and your size there and i'll get you hooked up and other than that hope you guys have a fantastic week uh tell your friends about the podcast. That's how it grows. If you haven't, subscribe and leave a review. Love you guys.